0: If you want this podcast free of ads, follow us now on patreon.com forward slash David McWilliams.
1: A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Street. Economic indicators. Who knows where this is going
0: to end up. To understand the economy you have to understand human nature.
2: This podcast is powered by Acast.
0: How are you doing there? It is podcast time. John Davis. What's the crack? David McWilliams. What's the crack?
2: (laughs) The crack's mighty as always.
0: Good good good. Do you know what I've been reading this week? Mm. I've been reading Calypso 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 is a chapter that introduces Leopold Bloom to the reader
2: Oh, in Ulysses.
0: Oh, right. Go on. And I am loving it. I'm doing a bit of work. I'm trying to understand the economics of Ulysses.
2: Yeah, see, I, you told me about this the other yeah. day, and I love the idea of this. Go on, give and, us and, a little and, bit more and so, that. so we're introduced to Bloom, right? In Calypso, the
0: very, the very first chapter. So we do all the Stephen Dedalus is all introduced and lots of characters. Then we get to Bloom, right? And he's getting up in the morning and he's down potting around the kitchen right? Yeah. Talking to the cat because the cat's the only person that talks back to poor old Bloom because his missus is off with somebody else, right? Okay, with blazes boiling. He knows that. Blazes boiling. He knows that but he can't come to admit it, right? And then he says he's going out to get his breakfast and he loves the bit of offal. So he's going to get a kidney, right? In the butchers. But it's amazing. You go down Eccles Street and he walks, his first person he meets is a fellow called Larry O'Rourke who's a publican. He talks about the pub on the corner he also talks about another pub called Macaulay's which is now a pub called The Big Tree do you know Dorset Street oh I do.
2: Yeah, That's I do
0: yeah name checked Not, but a new name Yeah. then he meanders around to Dorset Street to the butcher he buys what I'm fascinated by is all the economics in it and amazing on the very very first encounter with him he starts musing about do you remember your man Henry George, the economist we talked about?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy who the site
0: the, value tax. Yes, blooms yeah, into that. It's right. amazing. So I'm finding all these amazing, amazing stuff. So, so, yeah, that's my week. I've been, I've been deep in the book, deep in the book. But it's a fascinating project. It'll be really I, interesting. I, I,
2: you know, the thing about Ulysses is that anyone who wants to sound well read and and educated. They always say they read... It's me, I'm spoofing about Ulysses. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> I haven't read a, a word of it. But I, very few people have actually read Ulysses. Well, I am now, because I'm doing this project, Yeah, reading
0: it. No, it sounds fantastic. Um, but And I'm and, and reading it with an idea to try and create something. But it's, it's fucking great. I mean, it's really good. I've just read, read the other one, Ithaca, which is another chapter, right? Where he's musing on the properties of water. And it shows you how clever Joyce was, how unbelievably clever James Joyce was. It's a huge piece about Bloom's obsessed with trams and water and technology and all that sort of stuff. He's got a very, very engineering sort of mind on on the one level. But on the other level, he's an ad man. But the musings, Joyce's writing, just on Bloom's thoughts on the properties of water, as himself and Stephen at 6 a.m., after a long day and a night of drinking and carousing, are or, or back in Bloom's kitchen. So this yeah. is the, the construct, right, towards yeah, yeah. the end of the novel. Uh-huh. It's just, it's, it, it shows you how extraordinarily well-read Joyce was and how deeply, deeply educated he was.
2: But the, the most interesting thing, or the most curious thing about Ulysses is that Bloom was an ad man because advertising was in its infancy if it, it wasn't even he really was, kind he of was, and, and, properly established at that
0: well the fascinating thing about him being an ad man was joyce himself was obsessed by advertising and he was obsessed by marketing right it's really yeah. it's really interesting
2: way before his way time. way
0: before his time way yeah. before his time and obsessed by reframing ideas and selling them in a different way all that if you if you come to that i mean it's well worth i would say to anybody listening i know it's a Big yoke of a thing, right? Yeah. And it is a big yoke of a thing. Read it in bits. Read it in little bits. Read. There's a very good audio books on it. You know, there's yeah. also, also audio books that actually interpret what it's actually saying so that you don't get lost in the density of it. You do, know? do
2: you think if Joyce is around now, would he would he be an ad man? Would he be a kind of a John Hegarty or somebody I like think, that? I think, who's John Hegarty? John Hegarty was big ad, London ad guy. He was the right, okay. D, 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 BBH.
0: Okay, well, if you looked at you know, did you ever see Mad Men? Yes. Right, okay. Yeah. The Donald Draper sort of yes. character. Yes, yeah, but yeah,
2: yeah.
0: I think that, what, fascinatingly, if Joyce was around now, he wouldn't have written as long a book because people's attention spans are more Well, that's true. No, that, it's true.
2: That's a very good point, yeah. Uh, and as
0: an ultimate modernist, he'd probably have been a podcaster. Yeah. I actually think James Joyce would have been a podcaster and not a novelist. That would mean he would have chosen a different medium.
2: That's, yeah. Well, you know a, the great,
0: Marshall McLuhan, the great book about advertising. Is the medium is the message, yeah. right? And Marshall McLuhan was this 1950s American big thinker about advertising and how it how it how it shapes our world. I think Joyce would have been yeah a podcaster. I don't think he would have been a yeah. writer. Yeah, yeah. I would have been or know, a
2: YouTuber,
0: a YouTuber. Yeah, an influencer. God <laughs> forbid. Anyway, so that's my malarkey this week. That's my malarkey this week.
2: But come here to me, okay? So the other malarkey this week as well, is we're launching the course.
0: Yeah, this is a great, this is a course that I've been working on for a good few months now. And I mean, it comes back to our our thing at the, at the start of the podcast, John, that basically economics is for everybody. Yeah. That's the first thing. And the second thing is that it's not as difficult as many economists would like you to think it is, because I think that elevates them in terms of their own egos. They think, oh my God, this is very, very difficult. Yeah. And I also believe, and I've, and I, you know, I do, do since I was much younger, that economics is kind of essential for everybody to know. Yeah, it's one of those yeah. things that you need to know because if you know it, lots of the world makes sense. Things fall into place. You understand
2: why things. Yeah, it's a own, life skill that you need. It to, is. It's like driving. It's
0: like driving exactly. But you've never seen me driving. You probably wouldn't learn economics from me.
2: Well, come here. Like like we we talk about economics every week, and we interview various different people and get insights and blah blah blah. And we discuss and analyze and all the rest. But this course, is a structured...
0: Yeah, this is a 50... To bring
2: people through the the ideas of international trade and money.
0: Yeah, so the idea is that the essence of economics is trading, and the essence of trading is curiosity. Mm. And the essence of curiosity is us, humans. So what I look at, I use economics and finance, but I also use anthropology, I use literature, I use history, I use (laughs) behavioral psychology, all these... Areas that I don't think are explored enough in mainstream economics. So, for example, if you go into a university now and you do economics, right? 101 is the American. Yeah. It's based on this, what I would call traditional economics, which is based on neoclassical economics, which I think is almost entirely wrong. Almost entirely. Right. Right. Because it's just
2: a a starting point, though.
0: Yeah. But I'm saying for so many students, like I talked to Carl's mates and Lucy's mates who are doing economics in university. Yeah.
2: Izzy's doing yeah, economics.
1: Yeah.
0: And they yeah. listen to the podcast and they say, hold on a second. You make it kind of relevant. Whereas I go into this class and it's really highfalutin. It's really remote. I don't quite get the connection between what I'm learning on the blackboard and what I'm living day to day. Yeah. Yeah. So, what I've always tried to do in the courses I teach in Trinity and, 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 and all the way I communicate economics is to say, let's take the human and put the human back. So humanomics is what I'm interested in. It's basically traditional economics assumes away the vagaries of humanity in order to make the mathematical models work. Right? But if you are terrorized by the tyranny of mathematical elegance, what you gain in terms of beauty, if you're into maths, you lose in terms of relevance and reality. If a subject that pertains or purports to explain the world can't explain the world, then the subject is the problem, not the world. There's economists say the world is the problem, so we're going to
2: actually assume a different world. But but is that the problem with a lot of classical economics is that it assumes way too much?
0: Yeah, yeah. So basically what happens is economics, and it's in the course, became hijacked by bad mathematics in the late 19th century, early 20th century. So, for example, you had Einstein was obviously a physicist and he was worried and obsessed by a general theory that explained everything yeah now economists i think decided that's a really good framework around which to discuss the economy so we'll get a general theory that explains everything in fact even keynes wrote the general theory okay that was his big book
2: yeah yeah But there yeah. is
0: no general theory and in order to make the general theory that explains everything work and it's very very elegant it's mathematically very astute and la 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 You have to assume things about humans. Yeah. And the problem is models are all very, very good if they replicate reality. Yeah. But if they're actually running counter to reality, which most economic models are, then you just end
2: up in some sort of academic shitstorm that doesn't explain the world. what What I always liked about when we talk about economics and stuff is recognizing that, it's actually an evolutionary science
0: yes there you are now I that's uh, you're absolutely right John I am and have become an evolutionary economist I believe that the yeah. economy behaves like the natural world and the yeah. natural evolution exists in the natural world in everything this is the most amazing thing yeah and I believe that the economy and this course a lot of it's about evolutionary economics behaves like a life form so it's a what they call a complex system. Yeah. So complex systems, a really good example of a complex system is, for example, take our immune system. Our immune system is a classic complex system. It's taking information all the time. And it's very current at the moment because people are thinking about epidemiology, sure, yeah, biology, yeah. whatever. Yeah. But if you think, like our immune system is what you would call a design without a designer. So that basically our immune system is the best design possible for humans right now. And take something like COVID, we would have thought that we're not really evolving anymore. If you'd say to humans, are you, are you, are we still evolving? And say, no, no, evolution stopped years ago. Yeah. But we are. So take for example, are, yeah. take for example, COVID. This is a new disease that our immune system has had to figure out how to deal with. We get the vaccination, but most people who get COVID survive. So it means our immune system's working. So it's like a big search engine, right? And say, like, have we seen this before? Oh, we have seen bits of it mm. before. And then that design gets passed on in our genes to our next generation yeah. and they will become immune to COVID, right? Yeah. And I believe the economy works in some broadly well, a, similar way. Yeah,
2: and, and, a, and a good example of that is, as we've discussed, particularly over the last few months, is the paradigm shift in American economics. Yeah. And and so MMT, while it's always been around, as you mentioned last week, but now it's been used. With evolved. the market. And it's evolving. Yes, with the market, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I
0: mean, the, the idea of the course is to say... Trade is, what I'm intrigued about, about money, is whether money is actually instinctive to humans. And by that I mean whether after using money for at least 4,000 years, okay, which is a lot of generations, that we instinctively understand it. Yeah. Rather than we learn it. This intrigues me. That's the first thing. The second thing is to look at money and trade as not just exchanging ideas our products, but as beginning the process of socializing. So basically, trade at its essence brought people together who would never otherwise have been together, right? Yeah. But true curiosity. So then all sorts of things like meta skills, all sorts of ideas like haggling, feigning, spoofing, joking, all these things that are human characteristics yeah. come from meeting strangers. How do you read the room? Like, think about reading the room, right? What is that about? It's a I was huge... always very bad at that. <laughs> <laughs> but it comes from trading. Because yeah. you never had to read the room with your own family. If you're in the cave, let's go back to the cave, right? You kind of knew them and there was bonds which were deeper, right? But it's when you break out into something more complex that you've got to read the room, mm. right? Yeah, yeah. But how would you be propelled to read in a room? What would actually be the urgency, the curiosity? It's trading. Trading brought us together, so I look at all sorts of anthropological evidence that trade is much more important than just economic. Yeah. Basically, I've always thought economics is far too important to be left to economists. Like yeah. right? that's the key, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And so the course talks about anthropology. It talks about literature, it but talks-
2: it's also littered with great stories as well. Yeah, well, and, and like the you know the Peter de Great and and Tinder for ideas. I'm looking here yes, at, at well, the course. Tinder for Tinder ideas.
0: Tinder So imagine imagine Tinder, John, right? You and I you and I are probably long in the tooth for Tinder. <laughs> but nonetheless, right? What Tinder does is it brings people together and you swipe, is it left or right? I'm not sure, J.M., is it, it left no or idea. right? You're a young fellow, what is it? You swipe right to say yes, left. To say okay, no. John, we're swiping right. right. Okay, you and I are swiping right to everyone. We're indiscriminate <laughs> Tinder users, right? But what Tinder does is it brings people together. I'm saying the ideal economy is a tinder for ideas. It's an economy that brings ideas together because ideas are the elixir of growth. Innovation is the key to economics, right? So can you imagine a tinder for ideas where you throw all your ideas into an app and you flick right or left, right? That is the ideal economy. And actually, when I was looking- Until you have a
2: match. And then you. You have a match,
0: and then, but, but this is the great idea that basically you have a match and then the ideas take off. So, yeah. you know, I was I was reading about how Gutenberg came up with the printing press. Right. Mm. The technology. Yes. Behind yeah. 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 It. And all the things that had to align for him to actually create the printing press and Mainz, the city he, he worked in and, and created the printing press was like a Tinder for ideas. It was this really, really extraordinary place. It was on the Rhine. And there was two, the Necker and the the Oder River were coming in. It was all sorts of trading links. People were coming and going. And it was the Taverns of Mainz was where Guttenberg, in the pub, came up with the idea.
2: Yeah. Oh, the best place to come up with ideas. But because
0: there's people, he was meeting strangers. Yes. And yeah, he was yeah, saying, yeah. Oh, I'm thinking of doing this, I'm thinking of doing that, La So there's a module on the Tinder for ideas. Yeah, yeah. No, it's great.
2: great. And the stuff like Tulip Mania and all but these stories are Tulip Mania is,
0: is an extraordinary story. And again, what you realize is that really clever people make stupid mistakes with money. I'll give you a great example. Charles Darwin and Isaac Newton yeah. lost their shirt on financial markets, right? So these are... Newton could figure out physics. Yeah. Darwin came up with evolution. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they were dumb when it came to investing. Yeah. Why is that? So there's lots of stories yeah. like this. Why That's why did, you
2: have to play to your strengths.
0: Exactly, exactly. So why did Darwin, at the time he was coming up with the theory of evolution, lose his arse on speculation? What type of brain does that tell you you need to have to deal with money as opposed to these extraordinary thing so yeah it's full of stories we kick it off this week i hope people enjoy it i think it's one of those courses that will hopefully if you do it uh will land you will figure out the world the world will make a lot more sense if if you have as much fun and enjoyment in doing the course as i have had in making the course yeah. then i think we'll all be grand so it's so it's patreon.com forward slash David McWilliams. And uh, let's learn economics together.
1: As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com/results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com/results. Terms and conditions apply.
2: So Mac, the big story this week has been the corporate tax rate going up from 12.5 to 15 and we've signed up to it We
0: were a holdout We were holding out, and now we've signed up to it You know the funniest thing about It's good, right? Or bad? I I think it's all good I think it's all good I think that there are sacred cows in Irish public life and the 12.5% corporation tax was one of them but I think it's going to go the way of Articles 2 and 3 Right. Ooh, Articles 2 yeah. and 3, when we were kids, right, there was this Article 2 and 3 of our constitution said, Ireland has a territorial integrity which includes Northern Ireland, Yeah, right? And this was absolutely essential. It was, assen- it was yeah. absolutely essential. And we voted 96% of us to get rid of it, right? Think yeah. about that, right? We still have the territorial ambition. But the notion that it has to be enshrined in the constitution, people have forgotten about it. Yeah, Completely forgotten about it. I think this is going to go the same way, right? That what actually, there's no doubt that multinational companies have been part of the story here. There's no doubt about mm. it. But they're not the only part of the story. Yeah. That's the first thing. And Then the second thing is to think, okay, well, what's going to happen? So what's going to happen is in the immediate maybe year or two, okay, the first year or two, tax revenue will fall here. And the reason it'll fall here is because the profits that were booked, let's say for Facebook. So take an example of Facebook. Facebook France sells an ad on a Facebook page for a French product earned and bought, money earned in France bought by a French consumer. Up until now, that ad revenue was booked in Ireland, right? right? So Facebook were taking adds that they were making money in France and booking the profit in Ireland. So France was losing. The reason I mentioned France has been very aggressive against us in this regard. Right? Yeah. And this is, so it's a very gray area. But The idea is, where does the transaction take place? Yeah. Where is the economic activity? And if the economic activity is explicitly in another jurisdiction, therefore, in terms of tax, they should be paying tax in that jurisdiction. That's what, this is what this yeah, whole idea it's, is about. It's, uh, it's, it's very nebulous because yeah. you can also argue, like, for example, a, a Volkswagen sold in Ireland, the money doesn't go directly back to Germany. Yeah. You know, it goes yeah. to the distributor, it goes to the garage, like there's also, so it is, it is a gray area and that's why I think Ireland were kind of right to hold out a wee bit. Mm. But in general, so initially the tax revenue will fall. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. But I think thereafter it'll rise, okay? Right. Because basically if you raise your tax Rate, you tend to get more tax in. Stands to reason. So that's the first thing. But the second thing is to look at the idea here and say, is this, because lots of people say, oh my God, this is the end of the Irish economy. And you see it, certainly on Twitter, but Twitter seems to be full of malcontents and malignant (laughs) folk and and many people who are urging the end of the Irish economy, right? I've always believed, and and I wrote it in my last book, the, the Renaissance Nation, that economics is not about a number. It's about an attitude. Ooh, I and I, like that. Well, I mean that, that, economics is an attitude, it's not a number, right? Mm. And economics is about creativity, it's about innovation, it's about playing the game. And I have always believed that, for example, the reason most Irish economists say, oh, Ireland changed when Sean Lamas in 1957 yeah, and yeah, Twitter, yeah. bullshit, right? Ireland changed because we changed, okay? The economy changed because the economy is just us. And I think that commercial self-expression, I've told you this before, we've talked about it before, is part of personal self-expression. And the type of people who back themselves to have a go in the world tend to be iconoclastic. They tend to like dissent. They basically say, I can do something better. Mm. And setting up on your own in a company, I believe is a defiant act. It's an act of defiance against the system. I really do. So I I think... Small business owners are kind of revolutionaries, right? And I've always believed that what actually happens in a society, when a society becomes open, it becomes open because of what I call little mutinies going off in people's heads, a mutiny against dogma, a mutiny against religion, a mutiny against the system, right? That's what the revolutionary act is. And then flowing from that is a sort of an economic defiance which is I'm going to do something better.
2: But a lot of that, like those mutinies kind of depend on a sense of self-worth and confidence. Yeah. And, and Ireland as a nation didn't have that confidence for you know the first yeah. 70 years of and its the life. And the reason
0: we didn't have the confidence was because we were dogmatically religious and Catholic. And
2: I believe right. there is an
0: unmistakable link between dogma and economic underperformance. And the reason is the following. Dogmatic states reject dissenters by their very definition. They resent people who say, you know what, I'm going to do my own thing. So those people who were dissenting in Ireland, who were necessary for the economy to actually tick, left. They went to England, they went to America. Mm. So all those emigrants, those people who... Remember they always say, it's amazing Irish people in England and Irish people in America are so successful. It's because emigration is a self-selecting mechanism selects the people who want to transform their lives. So emigration or even moving is a transformative act. You're born in a certain village you look around at the age of 18 you say, you know what man, this isn't for me. Well, I've seen something bigger. Yeah. But those type of people left Ireland so the curious the dissenters, the creative people looked around in Ireland and said, man, this Catholic church stuff, this dogma, the state oppression, yeah. the fact that the banks were like tight-arsed sort of upper middle class outfits, et cetera, et cetera. People said, I'm going to have a go, but I'm going to have a go elsewhere.
2: No, I think you're right because it's something I've always said in in that immigrants, uh, and we were immigrants ourselves. Maybe not the best and the brightest, but we were. No, but there's a different mindset as you say, yeah. it's that transformative act. So you're taking yeah. on the world. And you're and, and you're you,
0: redefining yourself.
2: Yeah, and and you need to make it work. And it's only up to you and no one else yeah. to make it exactly. work. Exactly.
0: So your risk profile is completely different. Yes. So when yeah. you when you leave your family or your village or whatever security you have, mm-hmm. right? Your risk profile becomes totally skewed because you're on your todd and you have to make it. But what I really feel in Ireland was that for the first 70 years, because the society was so oppressive and suffocating, that creative dissenting people left and they made their way elsewhere. Yeah, That meant that the economy here could never grow. It didn't matter a shite what our tax rate was,
2: right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It didn't
0: matter a damn. This is why I believe the whole Lamas-Whitaker thing is all nonsense, because they unveiled their plan in 1957. Nothing happened in this country until about nineteen ninety-five economically. Yeah. So this is like a 40 year I'll give you a great statistic, John. In nineteen ninety-one, there were less people at work in Ireland than there were in 1951.
2: Wow. Think about that. Yeah, no, let let me If that is not
0: spectacular economic underperformance at a time of huge, suffocating Catholic dogma. I don't know what is. Now there are 2.2 million. So we've doubled our workforce in thirty years, wow. right? Yeah, and that's double the opportunity. It's doubled the spending power. It's double the ambition. It's all sorts
2: also- to do with you know, you know, up until was it was the mid seventies that if you were working for the civil service or whatever, as a woman, when you got married, yeah, you had
1: that's, to leave.
0: That's part of the. That's part of it. Right. But actually, what the real story is that the workforce never grew, and the workforce never grew because we didn't have companies. We didn't have economic vitality. We didn't yeah. have energy, right? We didn't have people who demanded other people to go to work and say, look, I'll give you a job, right? So, so do you think, like,
2: would would we have attracted all these, the Apples and the, the Facebooks, blah, 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 if we didn't have that tax rate it, in the first place? No, I what
0: I think is that they're part of the story. I think that the major story is that once Ireland became tolerant, liberal, and open, the people who would have left the country were less inclined to leave, and they stayed here, and they created new companies, new factories, oh, new ideas. Okay. That's the idea, yeah. right? On top of that, you get the tax. Okay. But if you look at Ireland, there are ten European countries with lower corporation tax than us. They have not had the multinational expansion. Why is that? Because they don't offer the other things, which is the tolerance, the liberals, you know, Western European yada yada, right? Yeah. So the package come back to our topic of discussion the package the attractive package that is ireland is much more than the tax rate so the first thing i will say is i don't think a it's going to make a huge difference but b there is an amazing opportunity here john because if you think that over the next five years tax will rebalance and etc okay we are now going to get two and a half percent more tax Mm. into the country. yeah. So you think, okay, what would we do with it? And I mean, the easiest thing to do is say, well, we'll give them civil servant salaries and pensions and we'll give them... I think that's wrong. I think what we could do is take that 2.5% and put it into a sovereign wealth fund. But I don't want this sovereign wealth fund to be used for pensions. So I, here's the idea, right? Is that in order for a country to be successful, it has to be an entrepreneurial state. We need to become a trading hub we need to become a place where people will set up companies. Therefore, we will generate wealth, we will generate innovation, all that stuff, right? What is one of the major impediments for younger people in particular to set up companies is financing. Because if you go to a bank and you say, look, I have an idea. Yeah. like a coffee shop. It doesn't have to be. And the amazing thing about innovation is it doesn't have to be highfalutin. Yeah, yeah, of course. I've always yeah. thought, like, think about Ryanair, right? The innovation that Ryanair made, like, how is it that, Ireland is the home of the world, of Europe's biggest airline. How is that possible? We de- we've never built a plane here.
2: Yeah, that's right? true. Yeah, yeah, Because
0: Michael Leary said, okay, the innovation I'm going to make is I'm going to make sure that the costs are low. That's his, That was it. That's, yeah. that's Ryanair's innovation. It doesn't have to be a Eureka moment or Thomas Edison figuring out electricity. Yeah. It can be just a little nudge, right? And everybody has a dream inside them. Uh, you know, if you go to a school and you look at, 10 year old kids, every single kid in that class has a dream about themselves, right? Yeah. And they have this enormous urge to, to say something, to yeah. have an opinion. They have a what I would call their voice, not this sort of technical voice, or, yeah. but what is inside you to like you express the, themselves. Yeah. And, the, and, you know, and, and, and to, that's the purpose of education is to purpose. enable that. Yeah. It's the purpose of education. It's the meaning of art, of music. You know, the musician makes music to tell a story, to say, This is me. Mm. I've got something to say. And every kid has that. But one of the impediments to allowing those children find their voice and grow up and do something that comes natural to them, as opposed to getting a job in an office, yeah, it's a fear, right? Okay, this little gremlin on your shoulder says, you're not good enough, or you haven't, all that sort of stuff, right? Economically, one of those fears is you don't have money, so you can't get it financed. So yeah. you go to a bank and you say, I've got this great idea. The bank says, well, that's a great idea, but I can't finance you because it's too risky. So how do you de-risk that event? You de-risk that event if the person who comes to the bank has collateral. Traditionally in Ireland, that was, I can go, my dad will give me money or I've got a house, right? Yes, yeah. But that meant that you limited the innovative impulse to those who already had collateral. So you naturally, then you squeeze the opportunity to a small amount of people, right? Yeah. Imagine that we had this startup fund. So if you just look if you just look at the numbers, right? Let's say, for example, if we were to look at our tax rate today, right? We've got about 12.9 billion euros in, right? right? If we were to go to 15%, we'd get about 14 billion, a little bit over 14, 14.2 billion, right? So that's a jump of about 2.4 billion. So think about it now, right? If we've 2.4 billion and you put that into a fund and that compounds at 3%, which is very low, mm-hmm. the stake... After five years, it would be worth 13 billion, right? Yeah. So it grows. A lot of and f- money. and 13 billion divided by a six million population is about two grand each, right? Two grand to every single person. Yeah. And what you could do then, you could use that as collateral. You could say, I, David McWilliams, have a fantastic idea, but I need five grand. And the bank says, Well, that's great, David, but we can't give you five grand because this idea has never really been road tested and we're not in the business of risking our depositors money. Yeah. So you say that's cool, but I've got two grand of equity. I can <laughs> give you this pledge. So you have it. Yeah. So suddenly you de-risk people. So you take away the fear, you take away the impediment to innovation and you create this innovative state. Now the idea would be you were in Norway recently. It's yeah something like the Norwegians, except the Norwegians
2: the sovereign wealth fund.
0: Yeah. So it'd be sovereign wealth fund but it's done not because we've got oil but because we've got revenue coming from multinationals. The idea here is that rather than use it as a pension fund, yeah. which is designed for people retiring, why don't you do it as a startup fund, which is designed for people who are just starting out?
2: So it's, so it's a startup rather than a wind-down fund.
0: Oh, I love that. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, but you're right. So the pension funds are winding down. Yeah. But why not say, you know, we're going to help you when you're 20 not when you're 70. Yeah, We're going to give you a break. And then suddenly, so you take, and the whole idea is how do we build a better society here? How do we build a better economy? We know the job for life, the big corporation, the civil service, all that stuff is this on the is way nonsense. out. Yeah. It's on the way out as well. We won't yeah. be able to afford it. So you say, okay, so you've got to create an entrepreneurial state. Again, or even an artisan state where people actually have their own sovereignty, their own responsibility, get up in the morning and make their own decisions, right? Right. How do you do that? Then you've got to get them commercially involved. How do you get them commercially involved? You give them many opportunities. If one of those opportunities is financing is difficult, fix it. So you tie the multinationals into the real society. Yeah. And suddenly what you have is a virtuous cycle. And this, I believe, is absolutely doable. And I think at the moment in Ireland, I'm sure on the radio, I've in actually I don't know about you, but I've stopped listening to Irish radio. I can't stand it. Mm-hmm, yeah, 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 too, so, yeah. But I'm sure the people say, that's it, it's all over. The multinationals are going to leave. Or why don't we tax them more? Blah, blah, blah. Why don't we just calm the fuck down and say, what is the optimum thing to do here? What is the optimal strategy? The optimal strategy is, we've changed our tax rate. We're going to get more tax in. What are we going to use it for?
2: Exactly, yeah.
0: And are we going to use it just to pay this... The salaries of public servants? No, right? Because they're already paid for What we're going to do is we're going to change the essential DNA of the country and move from a society that is dependent on others to a society that depends on itself. By the way, just before you go, and of course, enroll on the economics course. Okay, but just before you go... We have a fantastic conversation coming up on Thursday with a man who sat in the room, who was advisor to Obama and Hillary Clinton, Alec Cross, on a fantastic new book he has out. But also, the conversation is fascinating about a whole rake of areas. So, tune in on Thursday.
1: Dine on delicious gourmet cuisine, enjoy more than 20 activities, and make memories with your family. For more information, visit clubmed.us or call 1 800 Club Med or your travel advisor. In manufacturing, you need to automate intelligently to compete effectively. But not all automation solutions are created equally. AGVs and AMRs, driven by Bluebotics Ant technology, offer robust, accurate performance and native interoperability. Because your material handling can be smarter. Visit antdriven.com. That's antdriven.com to learn more.